Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, welcome to our session on today. Looking forward to have an awesome time um, for this next hour uh, with Fred Market. Just to introduce my real fast self, real fast, I'm Pastor Corey Williams of the Impact Church in Savannah, Georgia, church plant number 376. Yes, yes. So, love the ARC. ARC has been an absolutely amazing um, voice um, into the life of Impact Church. I've personally been a part of ARC now for the past 10 years. So, I've done some coaching and training with Arkansas. It's always a blessing to be here um, to serve and just do whatever Arkansas needs to have advanced the vision of Arkansas. That is to plant life-giving churches all around the world. Amen? And so now we have the awesome privilege to um, hear from someone who's a great voice when it comes to the area of missions. I'm Fred Market. I read his bio. That thing was so lengthy and so deep. I couldn't even say some of the words. I'm like, how in the world am I going to say this here? And he bust in the door and say, listen, I don't know what they told you about me, but you don't have to say None of that. Just simply say my name is Fred Market. I've been he's been traveling for 40 years and he visited 150 countries. So I introduce you to Fred Market. I'm with a mission called Youth with a Mission. Uh, we define youth as an attitude of heart. I say that louder every year. Uh, and uh, been with YWAM 45 years. Was an atheist communist. Got converted by YWAMers in Berlin, Germany. 1972, and I became a radical for Jesus like I was a radical for Marx before that. So it's awesome. Highlands is my home church. Uh, Pastor Chris is the best. Laura in the back runs short-term missions for our church. She rocks. Right next to her, a dear man of God missionary, Robert Berger. God bless you. You're a good man. Okay, so yeah, I've been in uh, 150 countries. I've been in missions 45 years. And God's just kind of gifted me to think globally and strategically. And, um, and so I'm going to talk out of that today. I want to give you a strategic perspective of the world and then tell you what we need to be doing. And I want to tell you whether your church is small, medium, or large, there's a place for each one of you in missions. And we'll talk about that and how to connect with that at the end. You don't have to be a big church like Highlands to impact the world. It can be any size church and impact the world, okay? Um, oh, what else do I need to tell you? Okay. Um, <laughs> I love to laugh, so we're going to laugh. Uh, how why is this not working? Something's not working. It just crowd. Oh, there we go. I like to laugh. Let's see. Please work. There we go. What happens when dads are left alone with the kids? <laughs> I found these. I found these. Things like this happen. I hope she never sees that and has, you know, issues later in life. That's going on Oprah or Dr. Phil, you know. Dads do this when they're left alone with the kids. And they do things like this. They're very creative. And dads do this kind of thing when they go shopping. A new way. <laughs> a new way to take care of the kids while you're shopping. Uh, ever seen 300? The Spartans, 300. You know, he had vision for his son. You know. And the important tip <laughs> for all of you who are going to have kids someday, haven't had them yet, that is a lifesaver. Uh, honey, could you give Charlie a haircut? <laughs> Uh, I asked my husband how everything was going, and he sends me this. Dad, <laughs> uh, I feel so hot. <laughs> and my favorite favorite out of all of them. <laughs> okay, you guys, I want you to have, you know what we don't do well as humans? We don't keep two ideas in our mind at the same time, especially if they seem to be opposite ideas. So I'm going to give you two opposite ideas that you have to keep in your mind at the same time. We're going to work on that, okay? We have to know the kingdom of God is advancing with great power, and also global advance is on the verge of collapse. These are two things that are true at the same time. Okay, uh, a great philosopher said, the opposite of a profound truth is not falsehood. The opposite of a profound truth is another profound truth. And we don't handle that well. 
So we're going to keep two ideas in our mind. I'm going to start by encouraging you. I love the original view of the atonement of Christ that the church held for 1,100 years. It's called Christus Victor. It says, when Jesus said, it is finished, it was finished. He had won the war in the heavenlies for all eternity. And all we're in is in a mop-up operation. Like the allies, well, uh, the good guys, I don't know who they were. In World War II, when we landed on Normandy Beach, it was a strategic victory of World War II. The Germans could not win after we landed on Normandy Beach. It was another one year and 11 days before the war was over, but it was only a cleanup operation. The Germans could not win. The cross was that same thing. It was a strategic victory in history, and all we've been in is a 2,000-year cleanup operation of the mess that the devil's made of the world. That's exactly where we're at. So I believe in Christus Victor. We cannot lose. The kingdom of God will be established in everywhere on earth. Absolutely no doubt about it. That makes me very relaxed because I'm not a stressed missionary because I know God's going to do this. It's awesome. Okay, so I want to tell you something about the victory of God, you know. In Revelation, it says there will be a great multitude, a great multitude that no one could count from every tribe. Great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tongue, language. Right? Yeah, all those four. I said it wrong. Trust me. It's good. Uh, it doesn't say a few people in heaven from the Muslim world, a few from the Buddhist world, a few from the Hindu world. It says a great multitude that no one could count from every single tribe, tongue, nation, people. That is not a small victory for the kingdom of God. That's Christus Victor. He has won it. So we are on the right side, the right team. We should never get discouraged. Even when I give you the bad news, you know, halfway through this. Because this is what I believe. We're going to see that happen. It's the prophetic word of God. Jesus said, I will, I will, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not overcome it. So no matter how bad it feels, no matter how bleak it looks, we can have confidence that Christ will have victory in our ministry, in our church, in our lives around the world. So I don't stress about Iran. I don't stress about all these things because I know that someday we'll have victory. Now, whether it's sooner or later depends on all of us and what we do. It could be a quick victory soon or it could be generations from now, depending on what we do. But I know this is true. He will build the church. The gates of hell will not overcome it. And how is he going to do this? It says, Paul says, God's intent that was now through the church, through the church, through the church, not through the United Nations, not through the U.S. military, not through any other earthly institution. It is through the church that God wants to make his manifold wisdom known to the principalities and powers and to all the nations. Therefore, the church is the most important institution on the planet. No other institution matters. The fate of the world and billions of people are in our hands, not in anyone else's. So what we do or do not do literally determines the, the shape of the world and what's going on. In fact, when I'm in pastor's conferences like this, I tell them, the condition of the world that we have right now is the direct result of decisions made or not made by pastors and Christian leaders. Because we are the thing that sets the tone in the world by what we do or don't do. Where we send missionaries, we see victory. Where we're not sending missionaries, Taliban reigns and ISIS and other things. So our decisions affect eternity and the shape of the world we live in today. So this is no minor thing we're talking about. We're talking about some of the mysteries of the universe here. Now here, this map encourages me every time I see when I get a little discouraged. In every single blue country, the church is growing faster than the population growth rate. In every single one of those blue countries. There's a couple countries, the dark brown ones, those are the only four countries where the church is in decline, is going down, you know, the population is growing faster and the church is in decline. And the 16 tan countries are the countries where the church is staying even. We're keeping up with population growth rate, but the church is growing down in numbers, okay? So it's not good. Our country, America, is on that list. Most of us who are, those of us who are American, okay? But I get encouraged, because in every one of those blue countries, the church is growing. 
So things like this in Thailand, for every 100 Buddhist Thais born, 103 convert to Jesus. And so that's what's happening in every single blue country. The kingdom of God is advancing. So remember, two ideas in our mind, this is the happy idea. You know, the kingdom's growing. Okay, believers globally, in 1970, only 1.2 billion. But 40 years later, we're 2.6 billion in 40 years. The church has more than doubled. This is a demo religious demographic miracle that this has happened. Okay, now what researchers call renewalist, okay, that's uh, uh, Holy Ghost, tongue-talking, demon-stomping, cast out, you know, those kinds of renewalists, right? 1970... 63 million of us in the world, but by 2014, 710 million, the charismatic branch of the church has grown faster than any other branch of the church. It's growing twice as fast as any other stream of Christianity and now comprises 60% of global Christianity. And by 2025, it'll be 75% of global Christianity. So God is pouring out his spirit in a great way because he wants to do something dramatic on the planet and it's going to take people like us empowered by the spirit. You know, not earthly wisdom that's going to fix what's coming our way, okay? Great book called A Wind in the House of Islam. If you ever get discouraged about Islam, you guys, uh, he just documents the growth of the kingdom there. In the first 1,200 years of Islam, there were no what's called church planning movements. In the New Testament, that's what we're looking for. New Testament standard is a church planning movement, not just getting one or two people saved, but churches planting other churches, planting other churches, it becomes a movement. So for the first 1,200 years, there were no church planning movements, only individual Muslims getting saved. But for 1,200 years, Alex, that's going to do that. If you could keep hitting that, I don't know what's going on. Thank you, bro. Uh, the block. Hit the block, okay? Ah, what happened? <laughs> Went in the house of Islam. Uh, thank you. Wow, computer. All computers are, computers are demonic. Macs are just a little less demonic than Windows. <laughs> That's what I've learned. It's true. They're all demonic. Okay, but you guys... Um, okay, it's not working. Dang. I think that the devil doesn't want you guys to know this. Oh, Jesus. We're going to have to crash it and start it over again. Okay, the very first church planning movement in, in the whole Islamic world was in 1885. There was one church planning movement, okay? But then, in, um, towards uh, 19, by the year 2000, God suddenly just poured out a spirit in the Muslim world, and now there are 69 major church planning movements in the Muslim world where there were just basically none before. Is it working? Yep. There we go. Yep. 69 church planning movements in the Muslim world. Millions of Muslims getting saved every year. In fact, you guys, uh, for the first time in history, there are now church planning movements in all nine of the region, different regions of Islam. You know, which look like that's never happened before in history until the past like 10 years. So we're living in a season with great power of God on the planet. Great victory, Christus Victor, he will build his church. The gates of hell will not prevail. This is an art, this was a, uh, an intellectual white paper came out a few years ago. A guy accidentally proved, it's called The Missionary Roots of Liberal Democracy. It's turned the academic world upside down. I don't know what that is. It, it turned the academic world upside down because he wasn't trying to prove this, but what he, what he proved in his data, that every place there's a liberal democracy, it was planted there by missionaries. That Christianity yeah. is the root of liberal democracy, and you can't go to Iraq with your army and set the people free and expect democracy. It doesn't work that way. You've got to go plant the Bible, the church, the, thing, the place where all these ideas come from, and then that produces liberal democracy. And so this rocked the whole academic world because they can't disprove it. They said it was those missionaries that produced democracy around the world. It's awesome. Okay? Global poverty. You don't hear this. In 1990, 52% of the world in poverty. 
but we have seen a major victory over poverty. By 2014, it was down to 21%. By 2015, 16%. Now, and you know where the growth is? The vast majority of the decline is in the newly Christianized countries because the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy economically, disease, educationally, but God comes to give us life and life more abundantly. And so one of the greatest testimonies of the past 15 years is the conquering of global poverty and it's because of missionaries in the 90s that went out to all the unreached Muslim, Hindu, and Buddhist countries. And so we're seeing them. And why don't you hear this in the news? Because activists for global poverty would be out of the job if they let, if we knew that there was poverty was being conquered globally. In fact, now we've crossed the line a few years ago. More people in the world die from overeating than from starvation now. That's how, that's literally true. That's how, how amazing this victory over poverty is, and it's in all the countries that were newly Christianized since 1990, right? So the gospel is powerful, okay? So good news. In fact, the editor, uh, editor-in-chief of a news magazine called The Economist, the greatest, best news magazine in the world, I think, he wrote a book called God is Back, because we're hearing that God is dead, but you know what? He's not. In fact, atheism is on the decline. Just five years ago, 13% of the world was atheist. Today, 11%. It's on the decline, continuing decline. And he wrote a book, he said, I had to write this book saying God is back as if he ever left. <laughs> you know, because the revival of Christianity and the impact of Christianity around the world is so powerful that it's, it's affecting economies and overcoming poverty. So he said, we've got to know that God is back. He is not dead. Another book, I, I'm, I study international relations a lot, and in that field of study, they never talk about religion. But this book came out about four years ago, God's Century, Resurgent Religion and Global Politics. They started to realize, oh my gosh, Christianity is growing around the world, and it's impacting governments. It's impacting how the world works. We've got to start thinking about this because... The 21st century is God's century. That's their prediction, the way that the kingdom is growing and what's happening. It's amazing. And our best historian uh, in the kingdom, Rodney Stark, down at Baylor, his latest book, The Triumph of Faith, if you want to get encouraged, you read this book. Man, it'll just get the hair. Oh, I get goosebumps. I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, wow. Just thinking about it because of the power of God. It's Amen. the truth. Uh, so now I want you to see something. I'm going to show you a video of the growth of the kingdom through the centuries. Okay, so white is Christianity. Up here is the year. Up here will be the year. And down here you'll see other things like the Roman Empire will be different colors. I want you to watch how the kingdom grows because you know what you're going to see? It expands and it contracts. It expands, it contracts. It's not a linear growth, okay? But it shows the victory of the kingdom. Oh. It's already started. There should be sound. Oh, there we go.
That's our God. You see how much is white? Great victory. Christus Victor. But you saw how it grew and contracted, right? So where are we at? We're on the, we've been on the growth phase. Guess what's about to happen? The contraction phase. Unless we take action. I, uh, when I was a young YWAMer, I started the YWAM Urban Mission Center in New Orleans, and a preacher from the bayous, out in the swamps of Louisiana, eighth grade education, gave me some of the best wisdom I ever got. He said, Brother Ferreira, you could take a one-syllable name and make it four syllables. <laughs> Brother Ferreira, he said, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to get what you got. If we keep doing what we're doing, we're only going to get more of the same. And what we are doing right now is leading to a great contraction of the kingdom. And you're the ones who can change that. That's what we're going to talk about. Okay, so this is percentage of the world Christians since the birth of Christ. Oxford has offered me a PhD if I'd write this as a thesis instead of a book I'm working on because I, I, God just gave me a revelation of this one day. I was teaching this up at Yale. They brought me in to teach this. After I taught three days, the top 60 PhDs from around the world, a guy came up to me and said, where did you get your PhD in international relations and history? Where did you get it? I said, 40 years on my face before the throne of God seeking him to understand his ways over the nations. God can give us wisdom. Yes. You don't need letters after your name to change the world in the power of Jesus Christ. No demon fleas. You know, in the name of Oxford, come out of here. Hold up your diploma. Doesn't work. Spiritual authority. Knowing God. That's the only thing that counts. But what I did is I, the percentage of the world Christians since the birth of Christ, and I overlaid on top of it empires that rise and fall, okay? So here's the Roman Empire, when it was called a unipolar power, it was the one global superpower, no other superpowers, that's called unipolar. So under the unipolar power, the one superpower of Rome, fast growth of the kingdom. When Rome collapsed, it's called multipolar, that's the technical word, the kingdom declined. But then when the Mongols came to power, the Mongolian Empire, that's called unipolar, the kingdom massively grew. But when the Mongolian Empire collapsed, the kingdom took a major decline. Then the Brits became the unipolar powers, 1805 to 1914, and look at the massive growth of the kingdom. When the British Empire collapsed in 1914 and led to World War I, the kingdom started to decline. And what I realized, and Oxford says, we don't know anyone who's come up with this idea yet, uh, but God created the universe to all work together. Government, e economics, education, all affects each other. The church is not unaffected by what else is going on in the world. Yeah. So we need to learn how to read the world like we read the yes. Bible and other things. Preach it, sister, come on. <laughs> we do. That's what it says, the sons of Issachar understood the times and knew what Israel should do. They knew how to read the times, so they knew what to do with their life. Jesus said, how is it you don't know how to understand the weather, you know, but you don't know how to understand this present time. So we've got to learn that all of God's creation works together, including kingdoms rising and falling, and it affects the kingdom. So when I had that revelation one day in prayer, I mapped this out with my friends from the Center for the Study of Global Christianity, and I saw that under every superpower, kingdom massively grows. When that superpower collapses, the kingdom collapses. What we're at right now is we're on the verge of a civilizational collapse in America. Uh, I don't have time to expound on this. I do a whole day actually teaching, but America is at the end of our civilizational life. We're in a stage called late decadence. Late decadence is the stage immediately before collapse. All civilizational collapses are instant in a day. There's not a glide path down. Everything's looking normal, and then in one day it collapses like the Soviet Union did in, 19, in the early 1990s, right? So that's where we're going. Everything looks normal. We're on the verge of civilizational collapse. Secular scholars who are atheists say have documented 
the very last sign just right before collapse, right before, is the acceptance of transgenderism. And they showed that all the way back 5,000 years of history in every civilization. The acceptance of transgenderism is the very final sign before complete collapse. And we're there. <laughs> we got there a couple years ago, or last year, okay? So civilizations emerge, grow, break down, and disintegrate, and that's what's happening in America, too. We go through these four stages from barbarism to civilization, decadence, collapse. We're in late decadence on the verge of collapse, okay? That's where we're at. Uh, if I had what I taught at Yale and at other places, if I had time, I would, I would uh, we don't have time for it. So what is decadence? It's the decay of religion, morality, education, justice, and unifying customs. And we're there already in our society, okay? So what happens if you go back to, uh, go back to this? What happens when, when the civilization unipolar power is strong, the kingdom grows. When it collapses, the kingdom declines. When the superpower is strong, the kingdom grows in the whole world. When it collapses, the kingdom declines. When the superpower is strong, the kingdom grows in the whole world. When it collapses, the kingdom declines. And it's about to happen as, as we go into collapse, and all scholars and analysts believe we can only make it till about 2025 at the most, unless we change what we're doing, which we'll talk about here in a second. This is what's going to happen. So it collapsed after World War II, after the collapse of the Brits. Then in the 90s, we saw a great move of God, and we've been holding steady. But the la at, unless something changes, America can't last be beyond 2025. In fact, some prophetic scholars make note of the point that America isn't mentioned anywhere in the book of Revelation. And that should be, be a wake-up call to us, you know. Uh, they can see Russia and China, they can't see America, right? So we could, and if America collapses, researchers and analysts, we can project out uh, up to 2200, we're probably gonna see a continued decline of the kingdom around the world, okay? So those are the two ideas to have in your mind. God is moving with great power, but it could turn. In fact, our country is already gone, we're past the point of no return. It will take a miracle of God to save America. I just happen to believe God's in the miracle business. So I'm happy, you know. So, but the king, for the sake of the kingdom around the world, I want to see America not collapse. So that the kingdom can continue to grow fast and speedily and conquer uh, the last remaining vestiges of the enemy. So here's our problem. What happens? in a civilization in decline, okay? Every year since the birth of Christ, the mission, mission force has grown. Every single year since the birth of Christ. Every year, more missionaries going out, bringing the gospel to all the world, exerting his victory in the nations, seeing poverty conquered, educational problems conquered, healthcare get better. But in the year 2000, for the first time in history, we saw a decline in the global mission force. The first time ever in history, 13% loss. You know what the majority of the loss was in the mission force was right here from America. America is by far the largest senders of missionaries in the world. We sent out about a, we were, yeah, we're the biggest by far. And every year to 2,000, we sent out more and more. However, since the year 2000, we have lost one third of the American mission force because that's what happens in a society in decadence. Young people no longer want to self-sacrifice and go live on the field, eat, you know, skunky things that I could tell you what I've eaten. <laughs> you ever had raw shredded yak eyes for breakfast? Jill and I have. Jill's one of the missionaries that works with me from Tibet. You can get that in Tibet. I don't recommend it, <laughs> okay? So in, in decadence, people lose their passion for Christ. And so we're not sending missionaries anymore. And that's going to lead, it's one of the dynamics that leads to this massive contraction like you saw in that video. So we've got to make some changes if we want to see the kingdom of God advance. If we want to see more people in heaven, you know, more churches planted. We've got to hear the real numbers, you know. 
Uh, total missionaries in the world, 431,000 in 2000. Look at how it's declined, 13%. Here's America. We've gone from 126,000 to 88,000. And I have to tell you, I cheated. I told my researcher friends the real number is so depressing. Include what you what they call the marginals, so it doesn't look so bad. The marginals are Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses. So that number includes Mormon and Jehovah Witness missionaries too, right? Just so because if I showed you the real number, it's it's not that good. Wow. Massive decline. Okay. Some people say we don't need Western missionaries anymore. But my friends at the Center for the Study of Global Christianity at Gordon-Conwell, uh, I went to them, I said, here's what I'm observing. They said, Fred, we've got the data, you can preach it. They said, missionaries from the USA provide almost 100% of the strategic leadership in missions. Latin missionaries lead other Latins, generally. Uh, Africans lead Africans, Asians lead Asians. But Americans and Westerners, because we've been so long in the gospel, are able to lead strategically. We can lead everyone wow. in big projects. Wow. Robert is an example of this, okay? Who's a, if you don't know Robert, you need to get to know Robert. Wave at them, Robert. He rocks, talk to him. He's down in Peru, he's rocking the planet. So the loss of American missionaries means we're losing strategic leadership out on the field just when we have the biggest challenges from Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism. Secondly, missionaries from the USA and the West produced almost 100% of the creativity in missions. And then the Latins, Africans, Asians copy it. So the loss of 40,000 American missionaries is having devastating effects out on the field and a loss of strategic leadership when we need it the most and a loss of creativity when all the countries have figured out how missionaries get into their, into their countries undercover. they figured it out and they're kicking out. Compassion International got kicked out of India. Uh, our missionaries and our organization are getting kicked out of China. Jill worked in Tibet and China. She's one of our elders over China. And they're getting kicked out of Xinjiang and, and Qinghai, other places. So governments are kicking out missionaries that means we need brand new strategies to get missionaries in. That takes creativity. And you know where that creativity comes from? American and Western missionaries. And yet we're in steep decline in sending missionaries. So that's why we're about to see a major contraction of the kingdom globally. It's happened before. This won't be the first time. You know, it's going to happen. But we can fix it. So why is America so critical? You know, we're only 10% of global Christianity, but we have 60% of global Christian finances, money, 70% of all global Christian technology, 75% of all global Christian training resources. So that means to whom much is given, much is required. We have a great responsibility to turn around what's happening in the world, okay? So there's a lot. This part of the world, you've probably heard, everyone's heard of the 1040 window, right? Yeah. 3.4 billion Buddhist, Muslim, Hindu peoples, most of whom have no local church, out of the reach of the gospel, you know? Oh, really good, can't tell you that. Can't tell you, oh, I have to tell you that, okay. I have to. I, I, I just need God to stop the sun like Joshua, that thing. Quality of life, nations of the earth, colored by religion. Green is Islam. Yellow and orange are Buddhism, Hinduism. Purple is Christianity. UN numbers here. What do the United Nations statistics show? Christianized countries have the highest quality of life. Because the devil comes to kill, steal, destroy, but I came to give you life and give it more abundantly. The best thing we can do for India is preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The best thing we can do for Iran, China, Pakistan is preach the gospel so that the work over a few, takes a few generations. My German ancestors ran through the woods naked, painted blue, bonking each other in the head with clubs. And then the Irish came and preached the gospel and now we make Mercedes. That's how it works, okay? When the gospel is injected, it transforms the culture. It goes from poverty to wealth. You know, it goes from illiteracy to highly educated, from bad health care to good health care, right? 
UN numbers show it. Here's infant mortality. That's how we measure, you know, the, how good, well a country's doing. The red is the Muslim world. Look at this. In Djibouti, for every thousand babies born, 200 die. You know, Afghanistan, 190 die. You know, here's the Hindu world here. You know, look at Christian countries, infant mortality. Why? Because I came to give you life and give it more abundantly. The answer to all the ills of the world is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is through the church, through the church, through the church, that God wants to make his manifold wisdom known. And so we've got to change some things we're doing. Of the 16% of the people still in poverty in the world, 90% of it is in the 1040 window where there are no churches. Because the devil is still ruling strong there, okay? 100% of terrorism originates in the 1040 window amongst unreached people groups who have no churches. The church is the answer for the world. So what do we need to do? I've got to get there real quick. So, oh, there we go. So what do we need to do? It's simple. And I'm not going to be able to tell you everything here. We're going to get to some questions. But I'm going to give you a link on the web that we can push a lot of resources out to you so you know what to do. Whether you're big, medium, small church, doesn't matter. There's something you can do. What do we need to do? We really need to, I love this quote by Winston Churchill. If you haven't seen the movie Darkest Hours, because I've seen it, I've watched it six times now, I think. <laughs> because it's, the world is bleak, you know, and he's fighting and, you know, time's doubting, but he makes it through. But he really helped, he was the guy who helped us win World War II. He led us all. He said, sometimes it's not enough that we do our best. Sometimes we have to do what's required. We're in that position now. Our best is not enough. We've got to do what it really takes to turn the world around, to save America, turn the world around. We don't have a choice. It's either collapse in the next few years, or we've got to see the power of God, you know, beyond what our best is, okay? So what do we need to do, okay? Three things, if we're gonna see the kingdom of God continue to advance. Number one, we need to pray for, believe for, and work for a true restoration revival in the USA. Only a revival will save America. We'll talk about that more. And I call it a restoration revival. Every revival we've had in our country is called a pietistic revival. That means get your relationship right with God, repent of your sins, pietism, holiness. A pietistic revival is not a holistic true revival. Restoring first century Christianity and all the passions and everything in our modern forms, that is true revival. There are seven elements of it. Pietism is just the first. Well, we've, the only kind of revival we've had, so we've got to go beyond what we've had in the past in our country. Number two, because we're so far gone, it's going to take something dramatic for God to turn around our country, okay? Number two, we need to recruit, train, send, and support 200,000 new missionaries. And every church can do it, even if you're a very small church. We'll tell you how to do that. We'll talk about that in a minute. And number three, we must send our new missionaries strategically because 200,000 new missionaries still isn't enough for the world. So we've got to find out where are the hot spots? Where are the demonic strongholds that are impacting the whole world? Let's not go after the leaves and the branches. Let's go right to the root of the tree and take out the roots, take off the head of the snake. You know, we don't worry about the rest of the snake. We don't have enough missionaries to send them everywhere, so we've got to be very strategic in where we send them, okay? So we'll talk about that. So revival in the USA, we need that because uh, righteousness exalts a nation. So what tears a nation down? Unrighteousness tears down a nation, okay? And we're unrighteous, we need a revival. Yes. I want to tell you, I'm going to give you a web link. I'm spearheading a project. We already have 62 international ministries involved saying we want to work for revival in America and working on church networks too to join us. We have the goal of re-evangelizing every single American city and Woo! some really cool people like uh, Lou Engel from The Call and yes. Dutch Sheets, you know, really believes in intercession and Pastor Chris from here is part of, uh, part of that. And so we'll talk to you more about that. I'm going to give you a web link. Stay in touch. We can send you information how you can be involved in a massive push to see a revival, a true revival in America. We've got to get back to righteousness. 
okay? And this scripture gives me great hope that we can see it happen. God says, if I announce that a nation, if I announce that a nation, it doesn't say Israel, it doesn't say China, it doesn't say a specific nation, this is a general principle of God that applies to everyone everywhere through history. If I announce to a nation you're going down and you repent, I will let you, I will raise you up. If I announce that I'm going to raise you up and you do sinfully, I'm going to tear you down. So that's the promise of the word of God. If we will repent and go into true revival, that's the first step we need. If we're going to turn around, if we're going to see the kingdom grow around the world, we must turn around our country. So I've lived 45 years for the unreached people in the Buddhist, Hindu, and Muslim world. But my attention is solely focused on America right now. Because if America collapses, it will bring a global contraction of the kingdom. So for the sake of the unreached and who don't have the gospel, we must see a revival in America. Prime focus number one. Good scriptures there. Trust me, those are really great. Okay. Number two. We need to recruit, train, and send and support 200,000 new missionaries. Okay, listen, you guys. There's, an, there's the basic law of the universe. The most often quoted scripture in the Bible by the Bible is Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Abraham, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing, and through your descendants, descendants, plural, not just Jesus, through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. That is quoted in Acts chapter 3 when Peter's full of the Holy Ghost preaching. He says, I'm going to preach the gospel. It's what God said to Abraham. I will bless you and you must bless all the nations. In Galatians 3.8, God says, I'm going to define the gospel. The gospel, God preached the gospel in advance to Abraham saying, I will bless you and through you bless the nations. In Hebrews 6, the writer of Hebrews says, I'm talking about the gospel. It's what God said to Abraham. I will bless you and through you bless the nations. When we bless the nations, we are blessed. It's inseparably linked. When we stop blessing the nations, we are cursed. Because God is a nation's God. He's a God of all nations. And we are being formed in his image. That means we must be people who are all about the nations too, if we're being formed in his image. It's not just holy and all that stuff. It means we're, we believe in getting the gospel to the nations just like God does. So part of, part of our decadence and decay is because we've turned away from sending missionaries. So if we need to see a revival. Part of that revival, we've got to raise up 200,000 new ones. We need about at least half of them to be young. We need people with life experience. That's what I say. I'm 29 with about 40 years of life experience. Okay? Okay? We need about half of them or more to be young because... Uh, yeah, we need lots of missionaries. Don't look at that. Go to the next slide. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Don't have time to explain it. This is me. Why do we need young missionaries? Me, age 20, total babe magnet. <laughs> me, age 50, living free in terror. <laughs> this was 30 hours off a plane from India. We send this guy to Pakistan or Bangladesh or Tibet, he'll be there 30 years. We send this guy, he'll collapse in three weeks. Okay? So we need a bunch of young missionaries. We need to plant in our young people the vision of the glory of the power of God in the nations that gives them such drive that they want to live holy and resist sin so they can see the power of God through them out in the nations, like I've seen in 45 years. So we need a bunch of younger mission. Oh, why is it in there twice? Okay, uh oh, it's stuck. Let's see if it does it. Oh, there. Okay, so we need to raise up 200,000 new missionaries. I'm going to give you a link that will tell you, that will give you more resources about how you can be involved in both the revival initiative and the initiative to raise up 200,000 brand new missionaries, okay? But then once we have them, we need to send them to strategic harvest fields. We don't have enough, enough missionaries, even with 200,000, to send them everywhere. So we've got to go to the heart. So one of the gifts God's given me, I'm a global strategist, and so it's why I get to, they fly me all over the place to talk about this stuff. There are seven places that are the key strategic mission fields. 
we can win every other country on the planet but these seven, and we will still see the collapse of the, the contraction of the global kingdom. These are the seven things that are doing the most resistant, that are doing the most to tear us down. And so we need to send these uh, 200,000 new missionaries, Central Asia, anything with a stand after it, but focus in Turkey. And we've got to focus a lot on Turkey. Turkey is a major cultural leader over all the stands. So if we win this major country who's a rising power, then we will have greater success in the rest of Central Asia. And each one of these that's more focused than this, this is a broad view, if you, uh, if you go to the link I'm going to give you, I'll explain it more. China, we must see the, the church continue to grow in China, okay? To tame China, uh, Xi, Xi Jinping, the leader, just a news report came out yesterday, he is violently, um, strongly anti-Christian. He detests the church. And if China rules the world, don't think it's going to go well for all those of us who are ruled who are Christians, it will not. So we must see China Christianize. Only 9% Christian now. We know a country has to get 30% Christian before Christianity affects all the structures. So we've got a lot of work to do in China. We must see the re-evangelization of Europe, particularly Germany and Norway, have, we have to reach because we need the resources and the anointings to help get the gospel everywhere else. Northern India and the Himalayas, the most demonic part of the world, most demonic activity starts there and spreads everywhere else, and also the largest concentration of unreached peoples, hundreds of millions, very few missionaries or churches. So the most darkest black hole of the whole 1040, Northern India, the Himalayas, Nepal, Bhutan, Tibet, where Jill has served in Tibet. This is a hero of the faith who's lived in the wilderness of Tibet, eating stuff you don't want to even know about. Iran. There's only six demonic powers mentioned my name in the Bible. I know, Corey, I have to quit in a couple minutes. Here, I'm, I'm already over because we're going to do Q&A. Only six demonic powers named, okay? Prince of Greece, uh, Mammon, Leviathan, right? Prince of Persia. Iran is Persia. So the demonic power over Iran is one of the six largest demonic entities on the planet. And it's not Khomeini who wants a nuclear weapon. It's the Prince of Persia who wants a nuclear weapon to do what the devil does, kill, steal, destroy. The answer to the Prince of Persia is not the Navy SEALs and the Marines, because <laughs> you can't take out demonic entities with rifles or tanks. The only answer is the Church of Jesus Christ going in power, and Iran is open to the gospel. 70% of Iran is under 30. They love the USA. They want to have pattern their country after us. And they, every, when I go, literally, you're on the street, and the Iranian young people swarm you asking, what do you believe? What's your religion? You know, Tell me about the West, right? So they're open, and yet very few of us are going. We could do lots for Iran. You know, we think it's the Ayatollahs, they look mean and that, that's Iran. It's not. 70% of Iran is under 30. You know the top three bands in Iran? Metallica, Britney Spears, and Rascal Flatts. That's what the kids are listening to. I was never so thankful for Britney Spears. It's like, well, praise God, he's not a suicide bomber. I can get him off Britney Spears easier than I can get him off suicide bombing, you know? So I was like, praise God for Britney Spears and Metallica. Middle East, strategic, and mostly Iraq right now. There's a fine-tuning, a, a, a more fine-tuned thing I can, will stay in touch, I can tell you. Iraq, Christianity is being systematically eradicated in the Middle East. Iraq, North Kurdistan is our best hope to preserve Christianity in the Middle East, and it's open for missionaries, but we don't have missionaries who will go. That's the problem. We've got to stir this up in the church and the Sahel Belt of Muslim Northern Africa, no time to explain it. But we've got to send our missionaries to this, these parts of the world, and we will see the gospel go to the ends of the earth if we can get it there. Okay, let's see what else I have to tell you real quick. Okay, there's a great imbalance in where we send our missionaries to and where they come from. Guess what the, the look over here, the top 
10 missionary-receiving countries, the USA receives more foreign missionaries than any country on Earth. Okay, that's a problem. Brazil is a mission-sending country. They send over 30,000 a year, but 20,000 go to Brazil because they have great barbecue, chihuahua. Yeah. You know, look at this. Russia, all of these are Christian countries. You know how we measure missionaries? By million. Per million people, how many missionaries? So look at the number of foreign missionaries per million. Monaco gets 5,100. God really likes to send missionaries to resort Caribbean <laughs> islands and European. God's really into those resort islands. <laughs> See? Virgin Islands, Bahamas, you know, Peru. But that doesn't mean that there's not a need. Robert's doing an awesome work. And from our church, we send missionaries down to Robert because we believe in sending to places like that too. I'm just making the point, where are the countries we really need? them to go only three missionaries per million, four missionaries per million in China, five missionaries per million in Saudi Arabia. Massive imbalance, we've got to correct this imbalance. So it's not only raising up missionaries and saying go, it's raising them by saying go there, and yeah. go there, and go there. Now, how are you going to do that? How are you going to do all of this? You can't. <laughs> all alone. What's that? Oh, here's what I'm going to do. Let me fix all this, and you'll be very happy. This is a website for my ministry, generationhero.org. Okay? I want you all to go to generationhero.org. See this up here, this ARC conference link. If you click on that link, and you give us your name, email address, and we will not abuse it. We're not going to send you fundraising letters. I will send you a PDF file yeah. of this presentation, yes. plus we will tell you what you can do to raise up missionaries. What if your church so small that you can't raise up your own missionaries to support them? If you've got 25 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks a month, there are people like Jill from Tibet and others that we're working to raise up these 200,000. We can connect you to a missionary that you can support that's strategic. We're doing a major mission project with, with uh, uh, Church of the Highlands. It's my home church. So I live half of the month in Colorado Springs at our ministry center there, half of the month here. And we're doing a major push out of Church of the Highlands to do our part to raise up 200,000 new missionaries to get ARC to do our part. So if you have, we have ways to help you raise up missionaries from your church. If you don't have people that are raised up and called to missions, if you got 50 bucks a month, we can tell you which strategic missionaries to support that will produce a massive avalanche of new missionaries, because that's what we're working for. So we know how to strategically connect you. Plus, there's all kinds of resources, some cool short videos. And I went way over, Corey. I repent in sackcloth and ashes. So listen, go to this website, click on the ARC link, Give us your email address, and we will connect you so you can find your place in what's happening for revival in America, as well as how to be part of raising up new missionaries. Even if your church isn't big enough to raise one up, you can at least give 25 or 50 bucks to a missionary who is going to play your part. So God, Christus Victor, God's on the run. I'll answer questions for five minutes. I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. I didn't mean to go that long. We'll yes, sir. What is oh. the way that we can actually? What's the way that we can actually support a missionary that is there? I know that the missionary that we're supporting, they've shut down uh, Western Union, um, yes. MoneyGram. Well, there's no other way. Do you know? Another we way? have all the channels to get money out. I do that for Highlands. Highlands gives me their foreign missions money, and I get it out to Iran. I get it out uh, to China and other places. So if you click there and ask that question, we'll connect you with the pipeline that will get your money from here out to the field to strategic missionaries. Yeah, we've got one right here. This question is, uh, is there any way, this has been phenomenal presentation. The, uh, is the, this information, or do you have more videos of you linked on here that we can show great bigger groups? I do a whole one day seminar that I did for Yale and other major universities like that. Um, and so I'm going to churches to do that, and like in a region, 
So if you click there, <laughs> I give a whole, uh, a big, a broader perspective and help people see what we need to do. So click there and we can get that to you. That is your link to get all your questions answered. Okay, so this um, might be one or two, but I have like no money. Um, like seriously, <laughs> and but God has put it on my heart for a long time to do this, but I've never known how to go, you know, and how I'm gonna. I mean, I know you trust God and have faith that God's gonna provide, but like, how do I start? Like, okay. I just want to go. Click there. Yeah. <laughs> we are starting. Listen, you guys, we're starting a YWAM missionary training center here at Highlands. I'm starting that. We will have our first discipleship training school in August. And so you might, we, we need young people from your churches to come to discipleship training school. It's the first step in our, YWAM's the largest mission in the world. God's graced us to know how to train missionaries and send them. And so we're in partnership with Highlands and Highlands College. And we're starting a YWAM center right here at Church of the Highlands so that all your missionaries are in this life-giving environment in this church while they're getting trained in all our YWAM missionary training and then out to the field. So connect on that site. It uh, doesn't matter if you have no money. He has the cattle on a thousand hills. And God is so intent on getting the gospel to the nations, he will provide for you. If you're willing, he will provide other questions? We've got a couple more minutes. Yes, sir. Um, why does the gospel advance whenever the, the global power is strong, and why does it retract whenever it falls? Okay. Every time a unipolar power collapses into what's called a multipolar world, you have world war. When there's only one superpower, no one can touch them. And so the world's at peace. When the world's, there's regional wars, but no global wars, so you know what? You can get on airplanes and go anywhere. Money's going not to tanks and airplanes and bullets, it's going to education and hospitals and everything. And so in a, under unipolar power, where there's global peace, it provides the, the atmosphere or the foundation for missionaries to go like crazy, right? But as soon as the unipolar power collapses, there's global war, and you can't get on an airplane in a world war and go, you know, as a missionary. Plus, all the money that normally goes to missions and other things gets taken from libraries and schools and hospitals and goes to tanks and et cetera. And so that's part of it. With the one with, uh, uh, and other things too, there's a lot of dynamics. It's what I taught at Yale, uh, and it's in a book. I'm finishing three books, actually. Healing Protestantism, they'll talk about this. Healing the Gospel, Healing the Atonement, hopefully done by the end of the year. When the Mongolians collapsed, they were suppressing a bad guy. That bad guy's name in the Eastern world called him Timur. We call him Tamerlane. And so he was a bad guy, like our bad guys, North Korea, Iran, I could name others. They were suppressing, that's what the unipolar power does, it suppresses the bad guys. When, because what does it say in, in Romans 13, 4? God has given the government the power to wield the sword to teach lawbreakers to fear. The role of government is to use force to keep the lawbreakers suppressed. So when the Mongols collapsed, Tamerlane was suddenly set free, just like Iran would be. Uh, under previous presidents, and, okay, I'm not gonna go political there. <laughs> Tamerlane, when the Mongols collapsed, who were suppressing him, he wiped out Christianity, which was all of Central Asia and into India, massacred between six and eight million Christians, and turned Central Asia Muslim. So that's another reason, there's a number of reasons why under a unipolar superpower, the kingdom can expand, but then when there's global war and when there's people like Tamerlane, put in modern terms, Iran, China, others, the bad guys aren't suppressed anymore. They fight the gospel. It goes slower. Yeah. Modi in India, you know, I pray for him. He needs to get saved. He's resisting the gospel in India. So those kinds of people have more ability to suppress the church. When, and we're weak right now. We're very weak. Half of our fighter jets cannot fly. Most Americans don't know this. Half of our bombers cannot fly. Uh, Obama has decimated our military. And Trump is, I believe, you know, I, 
horrible human being, in my opinion. But the hand of God is our president because he's bluffing them. He is acting crazy. So those people who have the ability, Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, have entered a pact to take down America, and all four of them together can. The only thing that's stopping them right now is Trump is bluffing them with his strongman talk and missiles into Syria to hold them back long enough to rebuild our military, right? This is the truth. So um, those dynamics, with there's bad boys around the world, that suppresses the kingdom. When there's one unipolar power, it's the, the climate where the kingdom can just expand. Okay, it's two minutes after. I'll stay around and talk to anyone who wants to talk for as long as you want to. Go to the website, generationhero.org. All your answers are there.